Hello and welcome to Commodity Conversations by the team at Mercado, the podcast where we aim to keep you up to date with the latest trends, drivers and moves in livestock, grain and oil seed and fibre markets. I'm Olivia Aker. Thanks for tuning into another episode of the podcast. Robert Herman is joining me today to talk biosecurity of all things and how some of the recent concerns around the globe can impact trade and our markets. Given it's late Thursday afternoon, right before a long weekend, we won't muck around today and we'll go straight into the episode. We hope you enjoy this one. Meridian Agriculture is a multidisciplinary specialist consultancy established by Dr. Mike Stevens. With Meridian 16 consultants spread across six locations in New South Wales and Vic employ an evidence-based, scientific approach to farming and a personalised manner with their clients. Meridian specialises in improving both financial and operational aspects of farming enterprises and guiding families through the often difficult transition of succession planning. Head to their website meridian-ag.com.au to learn more. Thanks, Rob, for joining us today. I know you've pulled over the side of the road to join us for the podcast. So where are you calling from? Well, I'm calling from um, just west of, uh, oh, a few, an hour and a half west of Ballarat, um, which is getting right into that good cropping country. Um, as a friend of mine said today, Liv, he said, you're, you're hooting. I said, what do you mean you're hooting? He said, you're hot-footing it out of town. And uh, I think, but judging by the amount of people out here, there's a lot of people with the same idea. But um, a bit of smoke going up, so a few people burning stubbles, and there's just that hint, live of diesel fumes in the air, and the tractors are revving up. I can hear them already. Very good. Yeah, not long now until planting will begin. Things are pretty good, um, although they were probably better about eight weeks ago, if that, and that's quite unusual. You know, we had that good rains, and everybody, I know people at Hamilton, uh, Gary Simpson, who's a wool representative there for Nutrium, was saying a couple of months ago, oh, we're calling this the autumn break. And I spoke to him this week and he said, I think I went a bit too early. It probably is <laughs> the autumn break. So still waiting for a bit more rain now. But look, things are pretty good. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good to hear. And and look, things are pretty good locally and there's a lot going on in the global space as well. I mean, we already thought there was a lot going on, but now there's some recent news out that there's a few biosecurity problems that have popped up around the globe that are affecting our market. So one of them is in the wool market, Rob. So what can you tell us about what's happened? Well, in, in, you're right, and it's a, it's a pretty acute observation for Australian agriculture, I think, just to see what's happening that is impacting our agriculture around the world, uh, the, the, what you're referencing about the wool market is in South, South Africa, where um, they've again had an outbreak of foot and mouth disease and the immediate response of China, which is the biggest importer of not only Australian wool, but certainly South African wool, was to stop imports. And so what it meant, what South Africa had really no option, but they cancelled wool sales. Last time, you know, they seem to get on top of it pretty quickly, but, you know, it, it's a concern, these sort of things. And, and we're seeing now how a local biosecurity situation impacts on global trade. And, and that's a real uh, shot across the bows for us, I think. It tells us that we just really need to be vigilant. Yeah, yeah, a good reminder. I think it was only a few years ago that they had an outbreak of foot and mouth disease in South Africa as well. So this is round two in a pretty short amount of time. That's right. And, and we see in, uh, you know, in the South American countries as well, 
um, that once you've had an outbreak, it seems to pop up. You know, these these diseases are very insidious and uh, you might be able to, you know, knock them down and get it under control, but there is a history of where they just pop up again. So it tells us that, you know, it, it really will impact not only on trade, but on the amount of money that needs to be spent on agriculture is keeping things healthy and uh, and clean and, you know, keeping their reputations intact. Yeah, and I suppose for Australian wool producers in the short term, this might be a bit of a good news story for us. Well, it, it, in theory it is, that's right. Um, and we know we've had the same sort of story coming out of with the Ukraine and Russian wheat situation impacting on our wheat prices. It hasn't played out in the market so much, and I suspect that, you know, a lot of people are still wait and see, um, not going to rush in and, and, and panic. Uh, and Australia's got a reasonable supply of wool as well that can meet, you know, mills demands. But I guess that little bit on the top, you know, South Africa is a bit like a Western Australian wool market every week. So it's not the biggest market in the world, but it's it's consistent and it's uh, and it keeps popping that those bales into China. So you're right. It's it's probably it means that there's a bit less supply for our our wool to compete with, but we haven't seen it play out in the market in any great degree as yet. I mentioned earlier that there were more than one biosecurity issues at play and that the other one that we've heard of is this lumpy skin disease in cattle out of Indonesia. Is is that a big concern as well? I think that's a really big concern. And um, and the reason, I, not that I'm a, a veterinarian or a you know microbiologist or whatever it is that looks at these things, but just the way Australia has responded to a report that basically says it's not whether we'll get it, it's when we'll get it. And the reason they're saying it's when we'll get it is because this um, disease, this lumpy skin disease, has spread really quickly and it's an airborne disease so it can spread, you know, it could blow across, you know, the Torres Strait or any of those places quite easily and, and get infected into our cattle herd. So the reason I say it's serious is, is number one, people are saying it looks like it's just a case of when, not if we get it. But also the response from the government has been to um, pass legislation that will allow the, the government to um, import live strains of this lumpy vaccine and that they'll use that to build um, vaccines for cattle. So it's almost like we're preparing now before it comes because we're, expect- we're pretty certain it's going to come. And, and I would say that's the best response we can have. Um, you know, it'd be crazy to sit here saying, I'll oh, keep our fingers crossed and hopefully that big stretch of water to the north of us keeps us um, immune from it. But if if we don't think that's going to happen, then the best thing we do is getting prepared with vaccines and that's what they're doing. I know, um, and and listeners to Commodity Conversations and followers of Mercado will know that I'm a, a board member of Sheep Producers Australia. And one of the real foundations of our efforts is to maintain and continually increase um, the biosecurity efforts and the um, traceability efforts of, of sheep. And the um, you know the Cattle Council of Australia has exactly the same model for cattle. So the, there's a there's a real understanding, Liv, that um, these diseases are going to become more and more of a challenge, and it'll be up to us as you know the industry that's uh, the agriculture industry here to meet those challenges and going back to your comments about lumpy skin disease it it really looks to me like we're doing everything we can to meet the challenge before it gets here and that's that's to be applauded i think 
Yeah, it's really good that there's been such a quick response on that. And I guess it's such a big risk when you look at our northern pastoral industry where cattle aren't being handled and for, for a disease like that to get into those herds would be really devastating. It would. And um, I mean, even the, you know, you think about the wild buffalo that, uh, you know, probably some don't get handled for their whole life. So um, it would be a challenge. But, you know, we've got, we've got good management systems and good traceability in the cattle where the, there's a, the sheep is a work in progress with the electronic identification um, tags. So we're a country live that's prepared. Um, we are a country that actually gets a lot of benefit from having high biosecurity and, and it gives our customers a lot of confidence that our products are clean and safe. So we, we understand that and, and you know, trans- that translates into efforts to maintain that. Now, uh, I was going to ask you something though, Liv, you've, you've been talking about the lamb market this week on Mercado and um, you've been following that pretty closely. What's happening there? Yeah, well, most of our listeners would know that land markets have been drifting a lot lower from the start of the year, which it's a pretty unseasonal thing to happen. So we usually have the market um, rising from December because we've come off that big supply period and and the market really tightens up. But the lamb slaughter was actually higher in the last month of 2021 than it has been for most of this year. But we're seeing prices that are quite a bit lower. So you've got that lower supply and a lower price, which it, it raises a bit of a red flag that demand is weakened. But it's, uh, it's not export markets that are bl- to blame for that because if we look at the US, which is now our number one lamb export customer, and you're looking at the prices published, that's suggesting that demand is stronger in export markets, if anything at all. So if... That does tell us that the weaker demand at a local level, it's still due to all those those continued challenges in labour in the processing sector. So they were really front and centre early in the year in the east uh, where there wasn't the labour to be able to slaughter the the, uh, capacity of lambs and sheep that was required. And so that's just created a real backlog and, and we're seeing that not just in the east now, but in WA as well with the COVID infections um, that have risen over there. So a lot of issues that are taking a drag on the lamb and sheep markets at the moment. Yes, well, um, it's a strange old year. It's not the first time, but it's a strange year when you see the spring lamb price is higher than the um, autumn lamb price. But th- that that does explain it to some degree, Liv. We are in, in different times. And notwithstanding, I noticed, I think Angus wrote an article during the week where he said, look, the land price has come back, but, you know, let's keep it in perspective. We, we used to think that if we could get, you know, the lamb indicator with a six in front of it, we were, you know, we're in clover. Well, you know, that hasn't been down to 600 cents for quite some time and we're still a long way off it. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, a real challenge. I guess the processes are um, going as hard as they can, but they must be a bit frustrated, Liv, with uh, not being able to capitalise on what you're saying is pretty solid um, demand and, again, plenty of supply. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm sure they would be. And it's an issue that's been dragged out for quite a while. And and we'd hope that, you know, when we're coming up to the um, the period now where supply does decrease and they should be able to play a bit of catch up. Um, but certainly if they're still facing those issues with labour, 
when supplies pick up on on the other side of winter, it comes spring. Um, yeah, it, it won't be won't be a um, good situation for us to be in. No, well, and of course we've got to remember that that markets do move in both directions. You know, in the last few years, we've seen markets move pretty much in one direction. So, um, I'm sure you know, the good prices we've had will be helping uh, lamb producers or sheep producers in general build their resilience and they'll have pretty good systems in place, um, you know, good um, breeding models and uh, and they're using good order so they can produce plenty of lamb, which which is in the end helps compensate for, you know, any um, downturn in price. It's, it's the production that comes off the farm. And just on that, Liv, I, I'm just speaking this week to a really good uh, long-term client of ours at Glen Orkey, which is uh, towards Horsham. And uh, he rang me up, Stuart rang me up, and he said, um, he said, I'm ringing up to talk about this canola price. It's $1,000 a tonne for next year at our local store. Uh, he said, I'm not really ringing up for any advice. I'm just ringing up to tell you I'm going to take some of it because um, we've, uh, you know, you, and, and he, he, he's been doing this for some time, of course, but his rationale was, well, look, if I use the five-year average yields that I get, and I sell 20 to 40% of that five-year average yield, um, you know, I'm pretty safe. I'm not over-hedging my production, but I'm capturing a price that, um, you know, we thought we'd never see. And, and we mentioned 600 cents for uh, lamb live. We used to think $600 a ton for canola was an extraordinary price and never hung around for long. But now, of course, we're seeing prices, um, you know, at $1,000 a ton. Yeah, just even looking at our deciles report that we released today on Mercado and the number of different commodities and products that are, you know, above the 90th percentile range in price is just extraordinary. It's an amazing time to be in detail and watching these markets. Yes, that's right. Um, we wanted to, we were talking earlier, Liv, and, and you and I both wanted to just mention something about um, uh, a, f- a friend of ours, I who um, unfortunately was involved in that tragic helicopter crash. Um, Mercado actually had connections to two people in there. The first one was um, was Paul Troger. And Paul, we, we did a lot of work with Paul in the cattle futures days. He was the director of MLA. He was the uh, CEO of Rockdale Feedlot. And, um, and people have spoken a lot about him, Liv, and, and his, his reputation in the meat industry. And it was just a tragedy. Um, but, you know, he was one of the really good people we met, one of the innovators. Um, he, he told me an interesting story when um, the Japanese company that went to set up Rockdale Feedlot, he and uh, Adrian Witte drove out there. There was a 5,000-acre paddock and there was nothing there. And so they started that and then built it to a 50,000-head feedlot and a 70,000-head uh, abattoir um, over a period of time. So he was really... Um, well regarded and well respected in the industry and it was just a tragedy and, and you know really reach out to his family but on a more personal note Liv um, Ian Perry we we not only both worked for him but um, he lived very close to you in, in your suburb in Sydney as well. Yeah he did Ian was just a stone's throw away and um, like you said, we reported into Ian for a number of years and it's it's just a, such a big loss to everyone in the industry and especially for his family as well, his, his beautiful young family. And 
the contributions Ian made as well were really extraordinary. And, and I know on a personal level, Ian was always a very big supporter of any young people in the business and especially young women. So it's a real a real loss. Yes, and he um, people were in the meat industry wouldn't have known him as well as Paul, but Ian had a long career in agriculture. Firstly, with, uh, we first met him when he was at ANZ Bank and then he came across to Rural Co as head of finance there. But his understanding of agricultural finance was second to none, and his passion for agricultural finance was was unique. Um, I mean, he was quite innovative in some of the new ideas and the new deals that he brought. But uh, I agree with you, Liv. On a personal note, you know, you couldn't have got a nicer guy to work with, um, and and he was supportive, very supportive. And I'm, you know, I'm really pleased to hear that. You know, you're noting that he was supportive of young people and women, and that's for sure. Um, I know he had a passion. He was a passionate soccer player and there was a photograph of him uh, in his soccer uniform. I think he, I don't know whether he's still playing, but he wasn't playing that long ago, was he? No, no, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, so um, look, it's, uh, we just wanted to take the opportunity on Commodity Conversations just to recognise both Paul and Ian. And uh, these are things that happen out of left field and they're tragedies, but uh, to have the two people that we knew well um in the one tragedy is a bit just set you back a little bit anyway look Liv I'm uh, I'm going to sign off uh, I'm heading back up to the mountain where we've got our campsite and ready for the hordes to arrive tomorrow um you've got some plans for Easter or yeah yeah I've um I've got some plans for Easter I've got my uh, hens weekend actually oh. Yeah, that's giving it away, Liv. If we yeah. Have a hen's weekend, that means there's a wedding coming up. We'll, yeah, um, there is, we'll, quickly. We'll, we'll, we'll do a wedding countdown on Commodity Conversations. <laughs> I think this is, what, 100 and something? How many of these have we done? A lot. A lot. 160-something, I think I saw last uh, time. It's so. in the 70s. <laughs> oh, really? There you go. Well, it's great to talk to you, Liv. Um, have a great break and um, catch up soon. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for listening to another episode of Commodity Conversations. If you're looking for more detailed information on commodity markets, you can head to the Mercado website and pick up a premium subscription, which will give you full access to all our archive of reports, as well as all the fresh analysis as it's delivered and access to our team of analysts. Thanks again. And until next week, take care.